Appreciate the good singing tonight, amen, and so good to be in the house of God, and so good to be where God's at, amen. Turn with us tonight for a few moments to 1 Samuel chapter number 17, 1 Samuel chapter 17, I couldn't help but think while Brother Laddie was testifying uh, about uh, just being in the fire and the smoke not, not doing, uh, that's where we're living at in most of our churches today, not a lot of fire and a whole lot of smoke, amen. And uh, you know the only thing smoke's good for is smothering you. That's right. I don't want to go to church and be smothered, amen. I want to go to church and be set free, isn't that right? And so if you're able to stand with us for a few moments, 1 Samuel chapter number 17, and we'll begin reading here tonight in verse number 31, 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse number 31. The Bible says, When the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul, and he sent for him, and David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered him out of, out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. And Saul armed David with his armor, and he put a helmet of brass upon his head. Also he armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor, and he essayed to go, for he had not proven it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proven them. And David put them off, and he took his staff in his hand, and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook, and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had even in a scrip, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. Let's bow for a word of prayer, then you can be seated. Our precious Heavenly Father, as we bow in your holy presence once again tonight, Lord, we come to the throne of grace and mercy in Jesus' name, that name that is above every name. God, we want to thank you for the good liberty we've had to worship tonight. I want to thank you for the good singing that we've heard and for the good singing that we heard this morning and for the liberty to preach the word of God. I pray now your blessings upon your word. Speak to our hearts tonight. God, help us to open our hearts and receive with meekness the engrafted word. May it not just be a sermon on our ears, but I pray, God, it would be a message in our heart tonight. Lord, would you do that which we're not able to do and we'll love you for it and we'll thank you for it for we do ask it in Jesus name we do pray amen and amen you can be seated tonight I want you to notice in this portion of scripture in the life of David here that we find that David has now come to the place in his life where his life is about to somewhat change. David is about to go from being a shepherd to being a soldier. But just prior to that, I want you to notice in this text here tonight that I see David's conversation with Saul in verses 31 down to verse number 37. And what I see in this conversation is I see in verse number 32 the servant's faith. I 
as David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Now, if you get the picture in your mind tonight, David steps on the scene and the entire Israelite army is shaking in their boots because of one man that is standing and making a, a mockery of the name of God. And David looks out and sees this man and he also sees the fear that's in the heart of the people of Israel. And David is brought before Saul and David assures Saul he has faith that God is going to take care of him. I want to say as it's already been sung about and it's already been testified about tonight, I'm glad that I serve a God that has promised that he will take care of us. Amen. I'm not, listen, I'm not voting for Hillary and the only Trump that I'm excited about is the Trump of God that could sound at any moment. Amen. I do believe Jesus is soon coming again and our answers is not in the White House, uh, but thank God our headquarters tonight, it's not my friend in D.C., but it's in glory. Amen. And friend, I see here David has this conversation and he's a man that is full of faith. And this is not a time to live in doubt and defeat, but it's a time to stand strong. It's a time to stand tall. It's time not to get on the sideline, but we ought to be on the front line worshiping and we ought to be on the front line, my friend, full of faith for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I see here the servant's faith. And then I see in verse number 33, Saul's flesh. As the Bible said that Saul said to David, thou art not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him for thou art but a youth and he a man of war from his youth. Now I underlined in verse number 33 here where Saul made this statement, thou art not able to go. And the reason I underlined that is because that's what the flesh will always tell you is that you're not able to go. The flesh will always try to hinder you. The flesh will always try to hold you back. And here's Saul, head and shoulders above everybody else, uh, but yet he's trying to talk David out of going forth and fighting the battle because he was looking on the outside rather than on the inside. And that's what faith does. Faith looks beyond the exterior. And so I see here Saul's flesh, uh, but then I see the shepherd's flock. As David in verse number 35, he begins to tell Saul this story here and he talks about the danger as David says to Saul in verse 34, thy servant kept his father's sheep and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock, but he said, I went after him. Don't you like that? I'm telling you, here come a lion, here come a bear, but I'm gonna tell you what David didn't do. He didn't roll over. He didn't run in the other direction. I'm gonna tell you what that shepherd did. He went after that sheep, amen. I promise you tonight, listen, the devil may roar and he may paw, but I promise you the good shepherd, I promise you the great shepherd, I promise you the chief shepherd of the saint of the soul tonight. He's not running and hiding, friend. He'll go after that devil. He'll go after that bear and he'll shred him into pieces. Amen. And so David talks about the danger and then David talks about the deliverance as he said in verse 35. He said, I went and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth and when he arose against me, notice this, I caught him by his beard. That's why you ought to always shave. Amen. And he smote and slew him. You see, if that lion wouldn't have had a beard, I know I'm getting myself in trouble, but he might have got away, amen. But David got a hold of that beard and he slew him. I'm telling you, what a mighty warrior. What a mighty man. And can I tell you something? It wasn't David's flesh that accomplished this. It was David's faith, amen.
I mean, this little boy got a hold, or this young man got a hold of this line, and he took him down because God gave him the deliverance. A lot of times in our life, if we're not careful, we'll think we won the victory. A lot of times we'll think we slew the lion. Now I'm telling you what got Samson in trouble was when he slew that lion. He forgot who showed mercy on him. Samson was in a place he shouldn't have been in. Samson may have been doing some things he wasn't supposed to be doing. And the fact that God gave him the strength to take that lion down was nothing more than the mercy and the grace of God. We ought not gloat in victories. We ought to just raise our hand and thank God for them and go on and serve God. Amen. And I see the deliverance. I see the danger, but then I see the determination in verse number 36 and 37. David said, thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. Can I tell you tonight, David is determined to win the victory before the battle even starts. You know why we live a defeated life a lot of times? Because we get up defeated. We pray defeated. We go to church defeated. Now I'm telling you, listen, if you're going to win the victory, no, listen, no soldier, no general, no captain. I'm telling you, listen, no army goes forth to battle with it in mind that they're going to lose. Amen. I'm telling you, when they go forth to battle, they go forth with every intention of coming home with a victory and coming home with a spoil. You say, preacher, what am I supposed to do? i tell you what you need to do. You need to get up in the morning and you need to have a good word of prayer and you need to get in the word of God and you need to start Monday morning off, not with the Monday blues, but you need to take the victory that God has promised to every one of us. Don't live your life in defeat when God has promised you victory. And I see in this text that David, I see his conversation, but then I see David's conflict with a suit. He has a conversation with Saul, but now he's got a conflict with a suit that Saul puts on him. The Bible said in verse 38 that Saul armed David with his armor and he put a helmet and a brass upon his head and he also armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor and he essayed to go. Why? For he had not proved it. And David said to Saul, I cannot go with these for have not proved them. And notice this, the Bible says, and David put them off. I want to preach a few minutes tonight when I get to this verse on this subject on I'll just stick with the old stuff. Amen? I'll just stick with the old stuff because in verse number 38 and in verse number 39, Brother Jack, Saul puts this armor on David and Brother Brian, it was bright. It was the brightest armor. I believe, listen, it was the best armor. I'm telling you, it was the biggest armor and it was, it was better than any other armor there was. But there was a problem with the armor that Saul that David had on. The problem was he hadn't put it to the test. Amen. And David looks at Saul and David said, Saul, I can't wear this in the battle. It may be the biggest and it may be the brightest and it may be the best that money can buy. But the truth of the matter is, I've never put that to the test in the battle. And so David just takes it off. Can I tell you something, friend? That's what we need to do tonight. We need to take off some of this stuff the world's trying to put on us. We need to just stick with the old stuff. We just need to stay with God. God, no time religion, and we just need to hold the same row that's been hoed down through the years. 
I'm preaching on, I'll just stick with the old stuff. Because when you come to verse number 40, watch this. The Bible said that he took a staff in his hand. He took five smooth stones out of the brook. He put them in a shepherd bag, which he had even in a script. And his sling was in his hand. And he drew near to the Philistines. What I see in verse number 40 is that Brother Jack David looks more like a shepherd in verse number 40 than he does a soldier. I'm telling you, listen, he come down to that little old brook and listen, Goliath looked over there and he looked at this little old ruddy youth running down through there with a sling in one hand and a script and a staff in the other hand and a shepherd's bag across him. I'm talking about this boy ain't got no armor on. This boy doesn't have no sword in hand. This boy doesn't have a shield, but he does have one, amen. He's got the Lord God as his shield and he's running down through there at a high rate of speed. I'm telling you, he may not have looked like a soldier, but you hear me tonight, David was armed and dangerous because God had his hand on this young boy. I'm telling you young people, hear me tonight. Every one of you boys and every one of you young ladies, you need to get full of God and old time religion. You need to junk the world and tell them goodbye and you need to make your mind up. You don't need what's latest and what's best. You don't need what's new and shiny. You just need to stick with the old stuff. Amen. I want to second the motion tonight. We don't need fog machines. We don't need dance teams. We don't need colored lights. We, I don't like the lights turned down low. Amen. I don't want to go to church and it be dark. Amen. I'm telling you, listen, we're not getting rid of the pulpit. We're not getting rid of the choir. Somebody say amen. We're not even going to get quiet in church. I'm telling you, listen, I don't want to go to church where when somebody raises a hand, everybody thinks they got a question to ask. Brother, I'm telling you, when I go to church, I want to be in the fire, don't you? I want to be where it's real. I want to be where it's right. I want to be where God's a working and God's a moving. I just want to stick with the old stuff. Amen. And David takes these stones out of this brook and he puts them in his bag and he heads forth into battle. Now, when you think about these stones tonight, they're a picture of our life. Amen. I mean, these stones, listen, at one point they're in the brook, then they're in his bag, and then finally one of them's in the battle. And can I tell you, eventually every one of them got in the battle. And you see tonight when they were in that brook, they was in a watering place. Uh, They was being washed. Uh, You know how a stone becomes smooth? Uh, It's when that water just keeps running over it and running over it and running over it. You say, what's that water doing? Little by little, it's knocking the rough edges off. Amen. I'm telling you, listen, God puts us in a good watering place. He puts us in the house of God. He puts us in the river bed of his grace and in the river bed of his word. You say, what's he doing, preacher? He's knocking the rough edges off of us, amen. And then it goes in the shepherd's bag. And that just as that brook is a washing place, that bag is a waiting place. That's a place, them stones, you know what they're waiting for? They're waiting for their opportunity to knock somebody in the head. Amen. In particular, the devil. They're waiting for their opportunity to be put in the hand of the shepherd and be used in the battle. Amen. I want to tell you something tonight. I don't want to get out of that bag until he reaches down and puts, take, put, takes a hold of me and pulls me out of the bag. You say, why is that, preacher? Because the shepherd knows when the time has come for me to go forth in the battle. I don't want to go forth a day earlier. I don't want to go forth a day late. I'm telling you, when he takes me out of the brook and he puts me in the bag, listen, I'm 
may not be number one. I may not be the first to go into battle, but it doesn't really matter. Eventually, they all got used in the battle, didn't they? You see, my friend, it was in that bag is that waiting process. You want to do something great for God tonight? Then stay in the bag. Amen. Stay in that brook under that word of God, young people, as long as you can. Let that water run over you, the word of God. Let it cleanse you. Let it knock the rough edges off of you. And by the way, we don't ever get to a place where we don't need cleaned up. Stay in that brook as long as you can. I wasn't planning on preaching this, but I'm gonna hit it just a little bit more. I'm telling you, when you get out of that brook and God puts you in that bag, don't you get in a hurry to run out in the battle because the enemy may cut your head off, amen? You better stay in that bag as long as you can. You say, well, what am I waiting on? You're waiting for the hand of the shepherd to wrap himself around you because he'll have full control of your life and he'll direct that stone right where it needs to go, amen. And then my friend, my friend, he went from the bag or to the, from the brook to the bag, but then my friend, he went into battle, amen. And as listen, as the, David reached down in that bag and got, got a hold of that rock, it wasn't just the hand of David that had a hold of it. I believe the hand of God had a hold of it. Amen. I believe David, listen, I believe if David would have turned around and thrown it this way, or if he'd have turned around and thrown it that way, I believe that thing would have boomeranged and would have come back. And I believe it would have still hit him right in the head. You say, preacher, that doesn't make any sense. Oh, but it does. Uh, because it wasn't the hand of David. It was the very hand of God. that was directing that stone where it needed to go, amen. See, if you'll wait on God and let God thrust you out there, he will direct you in the right direction. You know where that stone wound up? In the dust from whence it once became. You know where we're headed to? Back to the dust. But I tell you, I want to say like Brother Hanley Milby sung that old song, I want to die on the battlefield with glory in my soul. I'm telling you, if the last thing I could do for God, I'd want it to be anything, I'd want it to be this. I'd want to be able to knock the devil in the head one last time before I exit this world, wouldn't you? I'd like to be able to preach one more sermon, sing one more song, go to one more service. I'm talking about sticking with the old stuff. David didn't need a sword when he had the armor of God. David didn't need nothing but a sling. David said, I'll just stick with the old stuff. And I'm going to tell you, these stones were covered and they were counted and they were carried and concealed. But my friend, they was used for the glory of God. Back home in my office, I got, a, I, got a, I got one of them stones that a pastor I was preaching for, he told me about going to Israel. Man, I, I've always wanted to go to Israel. But don't nobody buy me a ticket because I don't like flying, amen. <laughs> and he told me, he said, man, you need to go to Israel. I said, I'd love to go. I've seen all the pictures. And he said, you got to go. I said, I plan on it. He said, when are you going? I said, in the millennial. I said, I don't have to pay for it. And I know the airfare is paid for and it's going to be a safe landing, I promise you. And he said, he went in the back room and he come back and Brother Danny had a bag there and he poured that bag out and he said, you know what them rocks are? And I said, no. He said, they're out of the valley where David fought Goliath. He said, I went down to the brook. Man, I looked at them things. I said, can, I know you shouldn't have asked this, but I said, can I have one of them? I mean, he had 20 of them. I said, can I have one? And he said, sure. He said, I'll give you one. And he gave me that rock. And I know it's just a rock. 
But it might have been one of the rocks David used. You say, you don't know that preacher. No, and you don't know that it wasn't. Amen. But I looked at that rock. And I don't know what that it was the rock that David used, but I'm going to tell you, that rock was there the, David, the day that David fought the battle. And I looked at that rock, and you know what? It was just smooth, just like the Bible talks about them rocks being. And it was smooth, and I, and I started to bring that rock tonight. And I, and I run the, I left the house and forgot about it. But I looked at that rock, and I thought, I thought man, what it must have been like. And David didn't need the shiny stuff. He just stuck with the old th- things. He stuck with what he knew had worked. He stuck with what had already got him the victories in the past. I'm going to tell you in 2016, and the 2017's around the corner, I don't know what this country's going to do. I don't know what other preachers are going to do. But I know what we're going to do. We're just going to keep hoeing the same row and friend it may be a handful and it may be a houseful I don't know but listen I want to be faithful to the end don't you God didn't call us to fill a church he called us to fill a pulpit didn't he and friend I'm telling you it's time that we stick with the old stuff I want to say tonight I want to stick with the old stuff of the preaching of the scriptures you say I've already heard that outline well if it was new it wouldn't fit the sermon would it I'm talking about the old stuff of the preaching of the scriptures. Don't you love old-fashioned preaching tonight? Don't you love the word of God? I like it when a man of God takes that Bible and just preaches the word unadulterated. I like it when he preaches how that King James Bible, that's the only one, by the way. But my friend, listen, if there's ever been an hour when we need some old-time Holy Ghost, heaven sent, heartfelt, leather, lung, Mount Sinai, fork and light, and amen, preaching, it's the hour we're living in today. We need preaching tonight, friend. And we need a lot of it. I'm telling you, we need preaching on sin, don't we? I'm telling you, if there's ever been a time we need to preach on sin, it's now. We need to preach, my friend, not just listen. We don't need to just preach on it general, but we need to catalog sin. Our young people need to know what sin is tonight. They need to know adultery is sin. They need to know fornication is sin. They need to know gambling is sin. They need to know liquor and alcohol is sin and that drugs is sin. They need to know that premarital sex is sin. Hey, they need to know that gossip is sin, jealousy is sin. Hey, they need to know that the things of this world is sin tonight. We need that kind of preaching. They need to know that taking your clothes off is sin. Somebody say amen. We need to dress right. We need to do right. We need to go to the right places. Uh, there's places tonight that we don't need to be. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, uh, Paul said to Timothy, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine, for the time will come when they shall, listen, not endure sound doctrine, but shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, uh, and shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned into fables. He said, but watch thou in all things, uh, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist uh, make full proof of my ministry why for the time well he said for the time of my departure is at hand and Paul said for I have fought a good fight I have finished my course and I have kept the faith uh, henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge shall give to me and not to me only but unto all them that love his appearing tonight I say, let's stick with the old stuff of the preaching of the scriptures. Hey, let's stick with the old stuff of praying in the spirit tonight. Brother, we need some people that'll pray. We need some prayer warriors tonight. You know what the lifeline of this church has always been? It's been people that'll pray. 
And I'm telling you, listen, I don't want to bury old-time religion one saint at a time. We need some people that will get along with God and get in the secret place and pray. Jesus said, but thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet and shut the door and pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. He said in verse number 9, after this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I'm saying Jesus taught us about the pattern of prayer, didn't he? He taught us about the promise of prayer. When he said, I ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you for everyone that asketh receiveth and to him that seeketh findeth and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. How much time do you spend in prayer? Do you have a secret place? Do you have a list tonight? If you don't have a prayer list, you don't have a prayer life. I promise you that. Listen, if just some time or any time is your time of prayer, then most of the time it's no time. Isn't that right? I'm simply saying tonight, Jesus said that men ought always to pray and not to faint. The disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. The Bible said to Mark 135, and he went out into a solitary place, and there he prayed, rising up a great while before day. We need to be a people of prayer, and we need to pray until we pray in the Spirit. Amen. You know what praying in the Spirit is? It's perseverance. Because I don't know how it is in your life, but I don't start out praying in the Spirit. Now, it may get quiet here, but I want to be real for just a moment. A lot of times when I start praying, there's the struggle of prayer. There's the getting past your flesh before you get in the throne room. There's the struggle of the flesh. When you start praying, you got to get, there's a warfare going on right here. And you got you to pull down the strongholds before you can ever get a hold of God. And you got to pray through that. And then there's that satanic stronghold. It's not just the power of the flesh, but there's the power of Satan. And these two work together to try to hinder us in our personal prayer life. You say, Brother Gravely, I've tried praying a few minutes and just seemed like I can't touch heaven. You just need to pray on is what you need to do. Well, I prayed for 20 minutes and it seemed like I couldn't get through. Just pray on, amen. I'm telling you, friend, listen, when you, do, when you dig a well, you don't hit water when you first start digging, amen. Sometimes you hit rock, amen, and sometimes you hit a lot of dirt, but I'll tell you what, if you'll keep on digging, and if you'll dig deep enough, uh, uh, sooner or later, guess what, you'll hit a river, thank God, uh, and there'll be water gushing out everywhere, it's the same way in prayer, amen, sometimes it seemed like I was a hitting rock, and a hitting rock, and a hitting rock, uh, uh, but if you'll just keep on a praying, and just keep on a praying, uh, thank God you'll break through, I feel like I, I broke through right there, praise God, uh, uh, you'll break through, hallelujah, and thank God God, you'll hit water, amen. I'm talking about tonight. We need to stick with the old stuff of praying in the spirit. How big is our prayer rooms? Don't be hanging around here doing nothing when it's prayer time. Go to prayer room. Can I get a witness right there? And don't not show up when it's five o'clock. Get here and go to prayer room. Let's fill the prayer rooms up. Can I get a witness on that? You say, but I got so much to do. Jesus said, what? Can you not watch one hour? Is it too much to pray for one hour? I'm telling you, friend, we need to watch and pray. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. If we're ever going to maintain, if we're ever going to keep a spiritual church, we're going to have to stick with the old stuff of praying in the spirit. 
And I want to say tonight, I want to stick with the old stuff of practice and separation. How many of y'all still believe that? Raise your hand. I still believe in, I still believe in living clean, don't you? I still believe we ought to be separated from this world. Romans chapter 12 and verse number one, Paul, and by the way, this should not be the part of the message that gets quiet, amen? Romans chapter 12 and verse number one, Paul said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And then he said, and be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Hey, Christians ought to look different. Somebody say amen. The world ought to be able to look at us and tell by our dress code that we're different. Amen. Christians ought to talk different. They ought to be able to listen to our vocabulary and hear that the language that we use is clean and pure and decent and moral. I'm telling you, listen, when they see the places that we go, we should not be found in places. Uh, listen, I don't believe you ought to go to a movie house. Uh, I'm telling you, friend, listen, uh, you say, well, I went there to watch a cartoon. I don't care what you're going there to watch. Uh, the world doesn't know that, friend. Uh, and my friend, we've got to protect our testimony. I just believe in practicing separation tonight. He said in 2 Corinthians chapter number Seven, over chapter six, he said, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing. And he said, I'll be a father and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. That's not talking about sonship, that's talking about relationship, fellowship. Fellowship tonight. And he said in chapter seven, verse number one, having therefore these, prom- dear, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Now, I'm going to tell you how, how it works in my life tonight. This stuff that I'm wrapped up in is so wicked that even things that the Holy Spirit conquered in my life 28 years ago, sometimes they're still a craving. Do you know my dad told me not long before his dementia had gotten worse, he told me, he said to me one day, he said, you know, he said, I, he said, sometimes I still want a drink of alcohol. 40 years of drinking. It's in his system. I don't want alcohol tonight because I'm not drinking. But he said to me, he said, I still want alcohol sometimes. He said, but I, he said, that's, I just, I don't want to do that no more. He said, I, even though I may crave it, he said, I, he said, I, I don't, he said, I know the Lord wouldn't be pleased with that. I think sometimes we give the, the notion that when we get saved, it, everything just goes away, and that's not true. Everything you did before you got saved, you're capable of doing it after you get saved. You say, well, what's the difference? Uh, God, uh, the cravings, they can still be there. Hey, I was in a place not too long ago, and listen, I was in a place of business, and it seemed like they was playing every every 80s song that I used to listen to before I got saved, just one right after the other. I finally told my wife, I said, listen, I'm going to get out of here. I said, my mind's just going to be singing rock and roll music all afternoon. And listen, I don't want to sing rock and roll music. I don't have no desire, but I used to listen to that back in the 80s. Uh, these songs now don't pay, I don't pay no attention to them, but you strike up one of them songs I used to listen to back before I got saved. Hey, that thing will play in my mind all afternoon if I'm not careful. But the difference is this. It's not that you can't crave it sometimes, but it's the fact that you make a conscience choice that I do not want to go that route anymore. I want to please God rather than please my flesh. And hear me tonight, young people. That's what practice and separation is. It's a choice every single day of your life. 
You see, you can live for God or you can live in the flesh. The choice is yours tonight. I want to say let's stick with the old stuff of practice and separation. Let's stick with the old stuff of personal soul winning. Brother, I still believe in giving the gospel out, don't you? We need to keep knocking on doors. We, We need to keep running our buses. We need to keep witnessing. We need to keep preaching in the jails, keep preaching in the nursing homes. Thank God for those of you that was in the jails today, those that was in the nursing homes today. We've got to keep going. You say, listen, I know that people are not as receptive as they used to be, but I'm telling you, friend, we just got to keep going. We just got to keep sowing the word. We just got to keep telling people that Jesus still wants to save them and that he loves them and that he died for them. Listen, I don't care what, how wicked this world gets. We're the salt of the earth. We're the light of this world. We must go and we must tell. It's our responsibility and our obligation. And the Bible says that the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life and he that winneth souls is wise. I'm talking about tonight. Let's stick with the old stuff of telling the old, old story. Let's keep witnessing to people. Make your mind up tonight that this week you're gonna tell people about Jesus. That you're going to go somewhere. You're going to pass a track out. You're going to tell somebody about Christ. Uh, hey, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. And he that goeth forth weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Keep going after sinners tonight. Get a burden for your family. Get a burden for your friends. Uh, when's the last time you wept over somebody going to hell? When's the last time you saw their face? Uh, when's the last time you pushed away from the table and fasted and said, I'm not going to eat, but I'm going to pray for them to be saved. Oh, God could still send revival. Y'all believe that? God could still save if we just get a burden tonight. Let's get a burden. How many of y'all get a burden with me tonight for somebody going to hell? Let's do that tonight. Let's stick with the old stuff. I, I don't mean this wrong, but the world tonight, the world doesn't need more humanitarian efforts. You know what the world needs? They need the gospel. There's nothing wrong with feeding the poor. Jesus did that. But at the end of the day, we've not done anything for their eternal destination. God didn't call the church to, to, to be the, uh, listen, to be the, to be the humanitarian effort to this world. God called us to preach the gospel tonight. I want to ask you a question. How many people's going to heaven because of you tonight and because of me? I want to say let's stick with the old stuff of personal soul winning. And let me get this last thought tonight. I want to say let's stick with the old stuff of praising and shouting. Now let's don't let it die right here. I saved this one for last because Baptists usually die the closer you get to invitation. But I'm telling you, it's just 6.30 in Alabama right now. I've been in a different time zone all week. I, I went to Louisiana and I was an hour behind. I come home, went to Alabama and I was an hour behind. I'm telling you, an hour behind all week. But you know what? God is good, isn't he? And I'm here to tell you, listen, let's stick with the old. I look around our church sometimes and it's too quiet in this church. I'm going to deputize all you boys right here in this corner tonight. And I mean it. I'm deputizing every one of y'all to be amen. Ameners. I want you to start saying amen. You can go ahead right now and say amen with me. Would y'all do that? That's it. I want every one of y'all to just start saying amen. You say, well, what if they're, they're not right with God? It won't be the first one that said amen, not right with God. I'm going to tell you something. I'll take an amen from anybody. Because the Bible said in the book of Deuteronomy, let all the people say amen. 
When you go to church, you ought to nod your head. You should smile and you should say amen. You ought to raise your hand at least five or six times and you ought to say amen at least 25 times. And if you're a preacher, you ought to say it 40 times. Amen. And if you won't amen the truth, you don't have any right to preach the truth. Isn't that right? I'm telling you, listen, an old deadhead preacher that'll just sit there and never say amen or say one or two every now and then, I don't want to hear him preach. If he won't amen another man preaching the truth, then I don't want to hear him preach it. Amen. That's right. Friend, I'm telling you, we go a lot of places and the quietest place we go is the house of God nowadays. I mentioned it the other day and I'll still say it again. In a lot of our churches, if we had a good body, we'd have a great funeral, wouldn't we? Because they come in morbid and that's the same way they leave. Only time they ever crack a smile is if you tell a joke. But I'm telling you, listen, it ought to excite you that you're not going to heaven it ought to, or going to hell. It ought to excite you that you're going to heaven. Boy, I threw some of y'all for a loop right there, didn't I? Amen. It ought to excite you tonight that you know that you're saved. Amen. It don't cost you nothing to say amen. I'm telling you when the choirs are singing, throw your hand up. When the preachers are preaching, throw your hand up. I'm telling you, wave a hanky, run an aisle. I wish somebody would run an aisle again, don't you? I'm telling you, I may join you. Brother, I like it that way. We got to keep the fire. I'm not talking about wildfire, but brother, we need it to be real in our soul. We ought to come with anticipation. We ought to come with excitement. The world shouldn't have anything on us. We ought to still be thrilled that we're saved tonight. Don't look at your cell phone when the preacher's preaching. Or play with a baby. I love babies, but I'm telling you, listen, strap them in that pew and shout the glory down and let them learn what church is about. You can play with them when church is over with. I'm telling you, if a fly lands on the wall in a lot of our churches, it's got 95% of the people's, uh, uh, listen, attention like they've never seen a fly. I'm telling you, we're so distracted. Uh, uh, brother, I just feel like preaching. I know it's quitting time, uh, uh, but I still feel like preaching tonight. Uh, uh, God is worthy to be praised. It, he deserves to be praised tonight. You say, preacher, I want to keep a church that's on fire for God. You better praise him. You get quiet in that pew, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. We will dry up on the vine around here. That's exactly what's going to happen. You, you let something or anything, listen, rob you of your shout, I'll tell you, you just chalk her up, friend. Everything God's blessed us with and everything God's given, it'll be gone in less than 30 days. If we sit in that pew, I really feel like I need to preach more on this because it's been so quiet. It's been good preaching. I'm not talking about my preaching. I'm talking about in revival. I'm talking about other preachers that's come in, but we've had good preaching. We've had good singing, but there's not been a lot of spirit of worship in a lot of these services lately. You say, why is that? Number one, sin will lock that down. If you got sin in your life, get right with God. Don't hold us back, amen? Don't hinder yourself. If it's not sin, I'll tell you what else it is. A lot of times we just sit there and we just don't, we just don't get involved. Hey, worship demands a response response from us, not God tonight. God desires to be worshiped. And we ought to come. There's only one way to worship God. Do you know that? Just one way. You say, how's that? On purpose. On purpose. I go to church making my mind up I'm going to worship. I go to church on purpose to praise God. I've seen people say, well, I, I, I just wait for the Spirit to move me. I'm telling you, if you'll start worshiping God, the Spirit will move you. Amen. And is that the truth tonight? Amen. The Spirit of God will move you if you'll worship. I want to stick with the old stuff. 
I have this one fear tonight, or not one fear, but I have this fear is one of my fears. I love this church. I thank God for each one of you. But I don't trust the talent in our church. And I appreciate the talent. I don't trust the congregation. I don't trust myself. I don't trust the, the blessings. I have this one fear tonight is that we will become what so many others have become. You want to tell you how that happens tonight, friend? Little by little. Service by service. One service at a time. Just standing in the choir and getting used to singing in it. Just coming to the pulpit and treating it like it's just another service. Just another Sunday. I think a pastor's responsibility, one of them is, is to constantly be sensitive to the temperature of his church. And I feel like the temperature's been running low here lately. And we need revival. And while we stand, I'm asking you to do this tonight. I'm not asking you to come to the altar if the Holy Spirit don't speak to you. I don't want you to come if God don't speak to you. That's not what I'm saying. But I am asking you tonight if it's really in your heart that you want to keep and maintain an old-fashioned church for your children and your grandchildren, you want to keep a place to worship, I'm asking you tonight, search your heart and do business with God. Outside my family, I'd give everything I owned, every materialistic thing I owned, I'd give it all for this place right here tonight. I love every one of you. I mean that from the depths of my soul. I love you tonight. I'd give everything. I'd live in a shack to have a place, Brother Wells, just to bring my family and have church. It's, it's the most prized possession tonight outside my salvation and my family, a local New Testament church. And I don't ever want to lose it tonight, friend. While Brother David sings, if you need to come, or while they sing tonight, if you need to come, you obey God while they sing tonight.